In this episode of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. So we see that thing in the sky, and I'm like, look, there's a UFO, like joking. And then she's like, what? No, no. And we look up, and next thing you know, we're not joking. Welcome to episode 112 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast, and welcome to the third and final installment of the UFO Stories series of episodes. The UFO Stories series of episodes are going quietly into the night. They are vanishing without a fight. They are not going to live on. They are not going to survive. Today, we celebrate the end of the UFO Stories series with part three. Uh, any idea where all those words I just said came from? Look at your calendar. Hopefully you're listening on the day this episode comes out, which would be July 5th of 2021. The day after the 4th of July, the day most people in the United States have the day off this year for Independence Day. Yeah, you guessed it. Yeah, that was from the speech given by Bill Pullman or President Whitmore from that very classic alien invasion movie, Independence Day. How does that speech go? Let's go over it. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night, won't vanish without a fight, yada yada, on and on. Yeah, anyway, what a great moment in American cinematic history, right? Well, President Whitmore was rousing the patriotic spirit of Randy Quaid, who was a drunk in that movie, if I remember right, and Randy Quaid ended up leading them to the greatest moment of a drunken pilot crashing into something that has ever been. I mean, most drunken pilots, they don't save the world. They don't destroy the mothership of some invading alien force. They just get suspended from their jobs for a couple weeks and then they're right back to ferrying pasty white tourists back and forth to Hawaii. Russell Case, though, played by Randy Quaid, true American hero, I'm going to say. Well, we're not here to talk about the movie Independence Day, we're here to talk about some real UFO sightings, not Will Smith punching an alien in the face and saying, Welcome to Earth. And then also, That's what I call a close encounter. No, we're here to talk about very possibly real close encounters, or at least sightings of UFOs or strange things in the sky. Let's do a quick autopsy on this episode and see what's inside. Okay, we've got stories of UFO sightings or possible UFO sightings, I should say, from the following people. Sarah Snallygaster of the American Snallygaster Museum and also the Manic Pixie Dream Ghouls podcast. We've got Misky D. Rodriguez of the band City Mouse and also many other awesome activities that Misky takes part in. There's Jessica Kamasa of the Kamasa Ranch where UFO sightings are an everyday or every night occurrence. Uh, that's not actually true, though she does live on a ranch, and they have goats and chickens and things like that. No UFOs, though, that I know of. Well, her husband, Chris, is he's kind of a UFO, uh, an unidentified farting object. Yes, thank you. We've got Davey Tilt in his triumphant return to the Bobcast with his story of a UFO sighting in the desert of Southern California, this is actually one of the best parts of this episode. Davey and Jessica are telling stories of the exact same UFO sighting. They were together at the time of both of their stories that they're going to talk about. So definitely when those parts come up, take notes, 
compare the two stories and see if their stories match up. That's my advice. More on that later. Lastly, we have the author, journalist, and historian Mike DeMonte joining us for the final segment in this action-packed UFO episode. Mike's going to tell us of two UFO sightings that he encountered. Plus, it's kind of an interview. He's going to answer some UFO-related questions for us. And I want to mention this, too. Mike and I are going to talk a little bit about that Pentagon UAP or Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon report. It's very timely. This episode is very, very timely. Just for you. That's why I threw that in there. Got to keep up with the times. Mike's segment is kind of a double whammy at two UFO encounter stories, plus a mini interview all about UFOs. It's really great stuff. Some great stuff is coming your way in this episode of the Bobcast, that's for sure. Please make sure to stay tuned through the whole thing. Right now, though, it is time to check in with a really good friend of the Bobcast, Carolyn Morissette, with another installment of The Celluloid Catacombs, starring none other than, yeah, that's right, you guessed it, Carolyn Morissette. This time around, Carolyn's going to be talking about a movie called The Puppet Masters. Here's Carolyn with more. Ayo, it's Carolyn here, back for another episode of The Celluloid Catacombs. So, if UFOs exist, and aliens decide against their better judgment to come to Earth and check out things for a bit, what would it look like? We've had many iterations of this, but in the 1994 sci-fi horror The Puppet Masters, we get parasitic creatures from outer space trying to take over the human race, and where else but the Midwestern United States. The small town of Ambrose, Iowa is quote-unquote a decent community with a little over 10,000 people living the perfect rural life. When something comes out of the sky in a spectacular blast, a group of curious teens head out to see what it is and are quickly taken over by whatever has come to Earth. A top-secret scientific intelligence unit of the CIA has gotten wind of the anomaly and top brass Andrew Niven has gathered Agent Sam and Mary, an exobiologist, to find out whether the UFO sighting has legs. When they arrive, the local TV station has labeled it a hoax. As they check out the aluminum-sided 1950s throwback to a spaceship, they see this for themselves. But there's something strange when a steady stream of people ping to take a look inside the tin can UFO. The kids in charge are insistent that the agents take a look for themselves, but they err on the side of caution, deciding to head to the TV studio instead. They want to find out why the station backtracked on their initial report of something strange, and it's there they realize people are being taken over by stingray-shaped aliens that attach themselves to the victim's spinal cord. The alien tries to escape with its retractable appendage, but they capture it and fight off the townsfolk taken over by the alien threat. After a crazy car chase, they escape and head off to their government headquarters while Andrew calls the army to lock the area down. They do all the sciencey things, examining the creature they manage to capture. They talk about what the fake UFO is actually covering and have to fight off several alien interlopers within their inner CIA circle. This team has to figure out how to conquer the aliens before they take over Earth. And when Mary is threatened, Sam will do anything to save her. So the Puppet Master stars Donald Sutherland as Andrew Niven, Eric Thal as Sam Niven, Julie Warner as Mary Sefton, Keith David as Alex Holland, 
Will Patton as Dr. Graves, Richard Belzer as Jarvis, and Yafet Kodo as Wrestler. I chose this film because it basically covers the top horror sci-fi slash outer space slash alien films ever made. We've got Donald Sutherland from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Yafet Kodo from Alien, Keith David from The Thing, and there's a cameo from Andrew Robinson who played Larry, Christie's father from Hellraiser. I'm still actually trying to figure out why Richard Belzer was in this film, but I didn't realize he played the same character, John Munch, in a bunch of TV crime shows like Law & Order, as well as a crossover with The X-Files in 1997. The Puppet Masters was based off of a 1951 novel by the famed science fiction writer Robert A. Heinlein. He was the mind behind Starship Troopers, the book not the movie, and had pretty prophetic ideas like the cell phone and the waterbed, question mark, uh, decades before it would come into existence. The novel talks about alien parasites that take over your mind, making direct connection to communist Russia. The 1994 movie was directed by Brit St Stuart Orm, who filmed music videos for Genesis, Phil Collins, Level 42, Sade, Joy Division, The Sisters of Mercy, Bonnie Tyler, Whitney Houston, and for any children's TV fans, he also directed Fungus the Boogeyman. There's a bombastic score by Colin Towns, who's created music for a ton of British film and TV, as well as the films The Haunting of Julia and the Dennis Hopper Debbie Mazar, and Stephen Dorff, sci-fi extravaganza space truckers. But enough about the background, I want to get into the fun stuff. The action starts right away, which is really fun. You don't have to wait to see aliens, and there's a crazy car chase sequence that's pretty decent. But the Puppet Masters also looks like an X-Files episode crossed with the Body Snatchers and a 70s political thriller thrown in. There are also some wonky scenes like when a group of agents have to take their shirts off to check for alien freeloaders, a steamy shower scene where Mary comforts a recovering Sam, and some night parachuting footage that didn't quite work. Um, and Mary also makes a really weird comment. Uh, she mentions that she knew something was wrong in Ambrose when the men and boys didn't check her out. She apparently has a booby litmus test for men. And I just want to let her know, it's not all about you, Mary. There's also a lab monkey scene, that, but they don't get hurt or anything. It's just kind of weird. The best of them all, though, is Keith David. He shows up as the go-to army dude and looks fantastic and kind of chews up the screen in the final act. He also gets the line. He gets the line when he asks if the aliens are using us like puppets. He totally gets it, and I bet that was in his contract. The script had nine rewrites, and the film goes on a bit, but it's good fun if you're looking for something that refers to a bunch of different horror sci-fi films. It's so full of references, in fact, that you might want to play a drinking game while you watch it by taking a swig every time you see a nod to your favorite alien threat. That's The Puppet Masters, so I hope you check it out. It's on Amazon Prime, that's where I watched it. And thanks so much for joining me for another episode of The Celluloid Catacombs. See you next time! Bye. Thank you so much, Carolyn, for another fine edition of the Celluloid Catacombs. You had me sold at Donald Sutherland and the aliens, of course, by the way. I do want to issue this disclaimer for the Celluloid Catacombs in this edition of it. Carolyn is not talking about the 1989 movie Puppet Master, not the singular version, the plural version puppet masters 
the Puppet Master film is all about Nazis and ancient Egyptian magic and murderous, like, puppets. Both movies sound really good, actually. I want to watch them both now. I really do. There will be links to Carolyn's online presence on this episode's page of the Bobcast website at IWantAPartyWithBob.com slash podcast. Please check it out. Check out everything that Carolyn does. She is very incredible. Moving right along, the music in this episode. Yes, there are three Out of This World songs in this episode of the Bobcast by three extraterrestrially awesome bands. First up is The Ejected, then the band Striker, and finally the band Get Married, all with songs that have something to do with the weirdness and wildness of outer space, aliens, astro zombies, all the good stuff you've come to expect in a Bobcast episode all about UFOs. Details on those songs and those bands will come up as the songs and bands come up in this episode. One last thing before we get to the stories, the songs, the UFOs, it's time to talk about athletic shoes. Yeah, they are the sponsor of this UFO stories episode of the Bobcast. What a great sponsor they are. I got to say, athletic shoes, they're made from all vegan materials, which are sustainably and fairly sourced. These shoes are absolutely incredible. I'm wearing them right now. I don't say that lightly because I have really, really messed up feet. My feet are flat. They're really wide. Finding any pair of shoes that I can actually wear and walk around in for hours at a time is really, really hard for me. I can't wear Chucks. I can't wear Adidas. I can't wear Vans unless they're the slip-on Vans, the lace-up Vans. Kill my feet. I'm going to tell you this. I don't have any issues wearing athletic shoes. And that's a that's a very bold statement for me to make. But it's totally true. They are amazing shoes. They're super comfortable. They look great. They have really good arch support, which is very important for my feet. And they're not made using sweatshop labor or with any animal materials. Yeah, ethical shoes, you might say, right? Well, hence the name athletic. Athletic and I have teamed up in this episode to share the goodness that is athletic shoes we are giving away a pair of the athletic fair trainer shoes they're very similar to converse chuck taylor shoes by the way if you follow me on facebook instagram or twitter you might have heard of this contest and i hope you did enter i'm gonna announce the winner of this athletic shoe giveaway at the very end of the episode yes you do have to wait until the very end you're gonna have to listen to this whole episode to win those shoes Or you could fast forward to the end and see if you won. But I do want to tell you a little warning. I installed a program in the audio of this episode that's not going to let you do that. If you try and skip ahead, go to the very end of the episode and see if you won. This program that I put in the audio of this episode, it'll mute me when I announce the winner. So I'm so sorry. Yeah, you are going to have to actually listen to the whole thing to see if you won. Uh, Yeah, actually, there's no such thing as a program or bot or anything like that that I know of that is capable of doing something like that. But please, just stay with me. This is going to be a really great episode, I promise. And good luck if you did enter that contest. I hope you win because the athletic shoes are super, super red. Well, right now, let's hear a few words from athletic that kind of tells the athletic story and a little bit more. Then we're going to get straight to the strange world of UFO sightings. Please stay tuned. The story of the athletic sneaker doesn't start with a sober business plan. It starts with a ball. 
the first fairly manufactured soccer ball in the world, in fact. Also, the story of the athletic sneaker doesn't start in an air-conditioned office somewhere in a western metropolis. It starts in a production hall in Pakistan. James Lloyd and Dr. Martin Kuntz, the founders of Athletic, had set their mind on manufacturing a new generation of soccer balls. In 1998, they brought the world's first fairly manufactured soccer balls onto the market, which was a pioneering achievement in an industry that was extensively known for child labor and inhumane conditions. The story of Athletic doesn't end with fair and ethically produced soccer balls. In 2004, the athletic sneaker becomes worldwide the first sneaker on the market to be certified with the Fair Trade Quality Seal for organic cotton. In 2010, the German Association of World Shops added athletic to its list of accredited suppliers. What athletic provides us with today is a fairly and ethically made and sourced pair of shoes in an awesome variety of styles. All of the cotton used in athletic shoes is fair trade certified, traded, audited, and sourced from fair trade producers. The natural rubber used in athletic shoes is FSC certified. Also, for each pair of athletic shoes sold, one US dollar is paid as a premium to the Talon Fair Trade Workers Welfare Society. Lastly, athletic shoes are PETA approved vegan. Athletics' respect towards life includes animals. Athletic products make do easily without animal-based ingredients. If you'd like to check out the amazing variety of shoes made by Athletic, simply go to www.athletic.com/en for an English version of the Athletic website. Then click on the shop button at the top left corner of the page. Shoes designed for skateboarding, casual wear, trainers, Athletic has the fairly and ethically made shoe just for you. Welcome back. I hope you got some good information out of that ad for Athletic. Our first story of this episode comes from Sarah Snallygaster, and her sighting took place in Maryland in the United States. Snallygaster is not her real name. Uh, I'm sure you probably guessed that. But do you know what a Snallygaster is? Sarah does, that's for sure. She is the curator of the American Snallygaster Museum, which is going to open its doors in Frederick, Maryland in the fall of 2021, coming very soon. The Snallygaster, by the way, it's a cryptid, and it's kind of a cross between a bird and a reptile, and it's commonly sighted in the state of Maryland and in kind of the Washington, D.C. area. Sarah does make all kinds of incredible stuff relating to cryptids, magic, spooky stuff. Links to her Etsy store and website will be on this episode's page of the Bobcast website. Sarah's story involves driving home late one night from work and encountering something other than fellow late-night motorists. Stay tuned. Here's Sarah. So I work in a county. I, I live in Maryland, and I work in a county that's closer to D.C., and I live more rural. So my shift in the hospital ends at about 11.30, midnight, and I was driving home the main road to get to my house for a reason I still have not figured out was totally blocked off and cars were turning around and so I was kind of annoyed and I was like I'm not turning all the way around like no way so I cut 
toward this little farm road that I know that goes, you know, kind of all the way around. And I got part of the way down that road and I saw this really bright light. And I was on the phone with one of my friends and I was like, holy shit. And I was like, I don't even know like what to do because I think I'm seeing a UFO, but nobody's going to believe me because it's something that I talk about all the time. So people will just think like, oh, you're full of it. Right. So I was like, well, I'm going to get off the phone and film it. So I started driving closer to it. I stopped and I filmed it for about a minute. And it really was like something strange. It was just a bright light that was hovering. And then I got a shot like this is where the moon is. And this is where this thing is. And you could see the difference in size and brightness. And I filmed it for a while. And I was like kind of freaking out because I kept getting closer and it wasn't making any noise. Like if it were an airplane, I would have expected some noise or even I, I don't know with drones necessarily whether they make a noise or how long they can hover so you know maybe that was it I don't know but I sat there and filmed it for a while and tried to take pictures and now I feel bad for all the times I complain about like crappy photos of cryptids or UFOs and I'm like you you know we have all this technology why does your stuff look like crap and I'm like oh because mine did too like I have a brand new iPhone it looks awful like so bad and I was like this is so embarrassing whatever So I just kind of sat there and watched it for a while, kept creeping closer to it, kind of hoping I would get abducted, like, low-key, as long as it wasn't the graves. I was like, you know, I can vibe with some Nordics or whatever, like, maybe, Pleiadians, maybe. I kept filming it, and then I stopped, and I watched it, and looked away, and then it was, I saw it go a little bit over my car, and it was gone. So it was just a few minutes of me, like, freaking out that I saw something, not knowing what it is, and getting really crappy photos in a kind of okay video. Nothing cool, like I was like, oh, well maybe, maybe I'll get visits from the men in black or something cool will happen, but nothing cool has happened since then, except some people told me on Instagram, like the night that this happened to me and I posted the video, people were saying, oh, did you know that the Newkirk did a UFO summoning thing or something tonight? Where the hellier people did, right? That same night, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. That's crazy. And I was like, that's so weird. And then I was like, now no one's going to believe me, especially because no one will believe that I didn't already know that. But I really legit didn't because it was like my third shift in a row and I was brain dead at that point. So I was like, well, I give up on trying to make this a thing, like make anyone believe me. I'm going to post my video and like move on with my life because nothing good is going to come from me like trying to prove this to people so it's just it's too much in my wheelhouse thank you sarah for your story that sarah is incredibly brave right i mean and you're going to hear about this later on in the episode from some of the other storytellers a lot of people would have just gotten the hell right out of there not sarah She definitely wanted a closer encounter, it sounds like. Wow, bravo, Sarah. You are a very brave person. I commend you for that. Also, what's very interesting about Sarah's story is the fact that Dana and Greg Newkirk of Hellier and the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and Occult fame were doing a UFO summoning ritual that very same night that Sarah saw that UFO. So it's something to think about, definitely. Very strange. Up next is a story from my very good friend, Miski D. Rodriguez of the band City Mouse. Miski is beaming into this episode with a story about some lights in the sky kind of activity she saw when she was a young girl. But was she the only one 
that saw this phenomenon. Stay tuned and find out. Immediately followed by Misky's story is the very first band of this episode, which is The Ejected, and their song is called Alien Abduction. Here's Misky. My UFO story isn't that great of a story, but it has some weird backup. Like, uh, I've never, I've never researched it online. I wonder if anyone else has ever seen this thing particularly. I was really little. This was in the 80s. This was like 1980, five, seven, or eight. So I was in a trailer park. I was left home alone. I was looking out the window and I was actually mouthing to myself the starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might have the wish I wish tonight. And the bright ass thing that I was looking at all of a sudden starts, when I thought it was a star because I could see the moon, I was like, that's the biggest star I've ever seen, so I'm going to make a wish. (laughs) And it starts going in like a square pattern, but super fucking fast where when I think about it today, it breaks my brain because I can see it. Like I can see exactly what it looked like. But it was going in this pattern that just seemed like not, you know, correct. And it was not a flashlight or be, it had no, like, there was no light, like, pointing at it. It wasn't like, you know, one of those Spotlights movie or lights sure. or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it was in La Puente, California. Like, there's nothing there that has spotlights. It's a fucking, I lived on the corner of a fucking sewer, like, and like a sewer, like a, like a rain ditch and a fucking train track. Like, there's nothing <laughs> there. <laughs> like, everything else there besides that trailer park was, like, industrial shit. It was just very strange to where I was just zonked on it. Like, I was just staring at it. Then all of a sudden, it just went like, zip, zoom, and it just fucking took the fuck off so fast. And, it, I, like, I just don't, like, I couldn't make any sense of it. And it was just really weird because I was really little, so I didn't understand a lot. I, I don't even know if I tried to really tell anybody about it. I was kind of quiet when I was little. Sure, sure. Making up for it now. But, uh, <laughs> but... I, I just was weirded out. And then, but then at a function, like a family, I think it was like maybe Christmas or something. This is way later. I had already known that everyone at a, this baseball game that wasn't too far away, that my aunt and uncle uh, and my two little, co- my two cousins who were my same age, one was a little older, also saw it, like the whole baseball field. And they were just crazy talking about this UFO you know they're like it was a ufo it was a ufo my young the younger of my two cousins was so scared like he started to develop like a really from that instant like started to develop like a phobia of aliens like a Whoa. so like anything aliens would like freak him the hell out you know he'd be like really really scared like to this day he has like an alien phobia <laughs>
Thank you, Miski, for your story. You know, these are my thoughts. It's one thing to hear someone tell a story. From a time when they were a little kid, kids do have very large imaginations. So, was it real? Eh, I don't know. But you have multiple people that back up, multiple witnesses that back up what you saw, even though you were a little kid. Eh, that says something right there, doesn't it? I think so. There's something to that story for sure. So, how about the Ejected? What a great band. <laughs> kind of street punk, oi, that kind of thing. They've been around since the early 1980s. I think they started out in 1981. Wow, the Ejected, they're back. They've been playing shows and making music again since 2014 after a very long hiatus. That's super rad. Our next two stories are of the same sighting told by two different people. First up, it's Jessica Kamasa. This is incredible. The fact that it's the same sighting or occurrence is really awesome that I got both people to separately tell me the story for this episode. Yeah, the stories are going to be from two different perspectives. So, will the stories line up with each other, or are they going to contradict each other? Well, let's find out. Here's Jessica with her version of a strange nighttime encounter in the deserts of Southern California. Stay tuned. I mean, God, it was, what, 25 freaking years ago? Yeah. It was a long time ago. It was a very long time ago, yeah. It really was. And I, for the life of me, I don't even remember why, like, what we were doing. And I know we were hanging out. I have a feeling it was when we were, like, deep into looking up and going through Davey's Ian McKay side project stuff. And he was putting them on a tape for me. <laughs> And we were hanging out at his place in Escondido and, you know, all roads back then led to drinking. And uh, at one point or another, we decided like, hey, let's drive out to the desert. So we drove out to the desert, Borrego. I don't remember what road we were on, but we were right off a road, middle of the desert, middle of nowhere, sitting there drinking. And out of nowhere, these freaky little lights showed up, like kind of low on the horizon and they were, they were fixed. Like they weren't moving like a plane. And it was one of those things where like, it took you a second where your brain was like, Hey, what's that? And then your brain was trying to focus and figure out, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Sure. Which you don't want to think that that's what you're seeing because how could you? And I am terrified of aliens. So I definitely didn't want to see what I thought I was seeing. And then all of a sudden the little lights just, started out of field of vision like super fast like way faster than a helicopter or an airplane or anything and there was no sound no no i mean i grew up camping in the desert we'd see helicopters all the time like they have a sound you hear them yeah and they don't move like that either so definitely was a plane definitely wasn't a helicopter and then the only other thing that was significant was there was another car there and they were driving by and like right after Davey and I were like, what the hell was that? They screeched to like a stop for a second and then they took off like they saw it too. And then we packed up, jumped in the car and got the hell out of there. Cause I was like, no way. Davey of course was all into it. He's like, Oh my God. Like, you know, let's, you know, let's follow it. Listen, I was like, Nope, take me home. We're going we're out of here. I'm done. That was pretty much it. <laughs> 
There was Jessica's story. Now, did you take notes? Did you really pay attention? It's important that you remember what Jessica said, just so you can compare her story to what you're going to hear next. This is Davey Tilt with his version of the events you just heard about from Jessica. I was at the house in Escondido one day, and there was a bang on the door downstairs on the double doors, and it was Jessica. And she was just sitting there looking at the window like this, and I opened up the door. I'm like, hey, what's up? What are you doing here? Stop. I want to go to the desert. I just want to get out of town for a little bit. I don't want to go alone. Will you go? So I get in the car, and we start driving towards the end of the Borrego, towards where the shows with Jeremy and them were, you know, where we were doing, like, because that's where we knew where to go. All those hippie parties and shit. And, like... <laughs> So while we're driving around, I was telling a story about the, the fireballs that you see at the army base, you know, like they have, have you seen the fireballs that they shoot from the army base up on the hill? No. It's kind of like this German fucking, oh, you never seen it? I thought, I thought we saw it at the, when we were in one of Germany's. So if you look towards the hill, almost every night you can see these like fucking big balls of flames just hovering over top of the fucking army base that's up by... Henshaw or whatever it's called. I don't even know if it's still there. There's, uh, there's an army base with like weird aircraft. Daryl uh, Meewagon used to go out there and see crazy shit all the time and he always told me about it. He was the one who told me about the fireballs first. And then when we finally saw the fireballs, we're like, that's crazy. And I, me and Todd used to always joke that it was Kugelblitz. Like the fucking German, the Germans had the fireball technology that they got from the UFO. You know, they apparently... They got from UFOs. Hmm. Check out the Kugel Blitz. So we were joking out with the Kugel Blitz fucking shit. Anyway, so as soon as they start talking about that, and then I got that Hanukkah Garage song, Little Green Men, Little Green Men, Little Green Men, Little Green Men, right? It's, you know, Little Green Men by Holly Garage. And I started singing that. And Jessica was starting to get dark, and Jessica was like, Shut up, shut up, shut up. And then she's like, I'm, I'm afraid. I, I, she's like, what? you know, and then of course I'd, well, we'd be right if we saw a UFO and all this stuff. And so we kept driving. We got to the unincorporated part, you know, where, where right where we were, had been like just a couple weeks before at one of the Jeremy things. You know, like a little opening. And as soon as we parked the car, and she's already freaking out as it is, because I'm joking around about getting kidnapped by UFOs and all this shit. And she's, so she's already kind of freaking out as it is. And then like, all of a sudden I see a sort of a guitar pick shaped critter. Yeah. It's like a Delta. I've always described it as one of these guitar picks. Okay. What we saw was just lights first. And the lights were like, flanking one, two, three, and maybe one in the middle. We can see that it was triangular. So we see that thing in the sky, and I'm like, look, there's a UFO, like joking. And then she's like, what? No, no. And we look up, and the next thing you know, we're not joking anymore. And we're watching this UFO fucking this thing that I can only describe as that, a shape, you know, like a Delta or a guitar pick. Just fucking going, like, starts off really far away. Yeah. Then it comes up super close and then it zooms to the fucking like make the left turn and it comes back around and then it starts to head towards us again this way 
it makes another like super sharp turn and then it's, so, it's much lower and we're both freaking out I'm like fuck that thing fuck that thing fucking shoot that fucking thing whatever the fuck that is and it's so low now that we look and there's a shadow on the fucking desert so that's how fucking low it was and then I don't know if it was me or her first and we're like it's not making a sound and that's how close the fucking thing was we could see the shadow on the ground and we couldn't hear it then all of a sudden I hear a car stop from the road because we're just off the main road I hear a car stop I hear car doors going open I hear what the fuck is that what the fuck is that like a guy's voice and a girl's voice holy shit what the fuck is that and I yell you guys see that fucking thing too that means we're not crazy and then I hear the car doors shut the fucking car take off super quick because they were like you know like, well, they're freaking out looking at this UFO, and all of a sudden they hear some voice go, You guys see that like, too, man? Like, <laughs> like out in the middle um, of the desert, yeah. Like, wow. And then the fucking thing, so once it made this way, say we're standing here, once it made that going that way from where we were standing in the car was, it made one final, like, pass, and that was the silent, super close pass, and then it came back up, and it went at that angle, and it fucking disappeared three minutes later into the fucking way the fuck out there like beyond where airplanes are and it was straight the fuck out there like it was beyond like we fucking both watched it like disappear into the stars like a 45 and degree angle taken off almost from the that, ground it was like it just we followed that thing go into the fucking sky wow. so that was however a billion years ago and then one day, like, I mean, I, I think I was in the old White House. It was maybe here in Arizona Street. It might have been here. So it's in the last few years. And I go on fucking Coast to Coast AM's website, which I don't do a lot because George Norrie sucks. Right. <laughs> but um, the it's not there anymore. So I'm sure they changed it. But there was a fucking photo, uh, not a photograph, but a drawing there was a drawing on the front page of fucking George Tory's website and it was like people in a car and a fucking Delta shaped UFO with the same light pattern I mean it was exaggerated from the picture I'm like holy shit that looks like the fucking thing we saw Yeah. so then I was like I looked up like triangle black triangle UFO had no idea got a ton of fucking hits oh yeah Uh, watched the video of people in like Pennsylvania watching one do exactly what we did and then saw another video from Arizona or some shit and same thing, people looking at this object that we saw. So I'm like, well, that's not a UFO. So then start looking into whatever fucking Air Force secret shit, you know, was it a stealth, was it that? And it turns out it is, if anything, TR3 Black Manta. So look that up. TR3 Black Manta. Yeah, the TR3A is one of the names of it. TR3A is the newer version, I believe. It is a predecessor to that fucking crater that Space Force keeps setting up. That unmanned rocket that that we keep setting up. Well, it's not Space Force anymore. It's called United States Space Command. It's a predecessor to that. 
Mm. But apparently they're still in use. And so Operation Vigilant Guardian, Solar Guardian, I think it's called, Solar. See, this is a weird thing. The space program before, like, the secret space program that the U.S. has been involved in for a while has apparently uses these fucking TR3s, these things, plus that vehicle that they're using right now. So you know what? what's that? The X-37. So it's a, it's a predecessor of the X-37. Hmm. The X-37 is that thing that we've been shooting in space. It's been up. It, the last time we shot one up was in November. It's still up there. It was up there for three years prior to that. It's it's the X thirty seven is like the the son of this other Black Manta, apparently. But I saw this crazy artist rendering of like a fleet of Black Mantas and like one or two of these fucking X thirty sevens, like in space, and that was like the the sort of artist the the sort of fan fiction version of what Space Force is, but apparently there has been fleets and this fucking thing I mean, it was on a three year mission came down and a few weeks later it went back up. That was November 2020. So I would love to think that it was a UFO. There's more evidence that from these videos I saw of other people and other people's things and just happened to go on Coast to Coast AM and saw that fucking painting. I can only think the thing we saw was but because it was right next to that army base that has the fucking fireballs that fly in the sky, and it has, because of that, like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it came from there, you know? Yeah. Like, maybe it came from that fucking thing, or maybe that's just, like, some weird, you know, okay, go fucking from space, and apparently these things can fly into fucking out of the atmosphere and back, no problem, like, multi-use. Wow. They're nuts. You should trip on that shit. And that's the closest thing I have, because the other UFO story is that I was in Phoenix with Everetti. And you saw the Phoenix lights, didn't you? We didn't see them because I got sick from the fucking buffet in Vegas that morning. And I made us fucking, we drove all the way fucking out past the Coas and drove back into this fucking city and found a hotel and I fucking loaded it up with ice and sat in a fucking bathtub and it got better, you know? And then the lesson Jake guys, so they hit up Vinny. Or Roger, because you can get Vinny. You can get a Vinny. He's, he's accessible, but they all saw it. So the next day, we saw the Lesson Jake guys, and they were like, "Fuck, dude, you guys see that shit? Like, we fucking chased. We chased those things, and like, this fucking jets were flying over our van and stuff. And so they saw. They they not only saw Phoenix Lights, they got. They saw the military response to it. We were there in Phoenix, and I, because I got sick, I shit myself. Because I had shit myself outside the, like, wiped it all over a fucking subway fucking restaurant that wouldn't let me use the bathroom, so. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, they wouldn't let me use the bathroom. The second I broke that bathroom, I started making poopoo on the walls. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I was there. Less than Jake saw him. I got sick and had to stay in a hotel room. So, me and Brian and fucking, and they were all pissed at me. Me and Brian and Rodney or Brett—I forgot who was with us. I forgot who was playing drums. But that—that that was the—that was the thing. Is I missed the Phoenix fights because I was sick. But we were there that night, and the Lesson Jake guys had all seen it, and oh, they were like, wow. "Dutch, it was great." Day. Wow. And that's when they were like, "And that's a, so that's a weird thing." Is so I looked up 
if you look up the Wikipedia page on the Black Deltas or the or the Triangle UFOs, they'll they'll say that that's what the Phoenix Lights were, possibly. But if you look up other accounts of that, the government responses from around the world are the same response that they said the Phoenix Lights were, which was like some gaseous anomaly. Which is nuts. But 35, 40, 50,000 people called the fucking, called to talk about Phoenix Lights. And originally they said it was a mass hallucination. But a, a mass hallucination is, is like, that's an insult. Well, well, well. Yeah, the stories more or less line up, don't they? Very interesting. One of the things that was the most interesting to me was Davy saw a lot more than Jessica said she did. And I think there's a reason for that. Jessica is a chicken. Yes, she was hiding her eyes in the car when that UFO got close. So that's why Davy, I think, had a more detailed story about that sighting. Jessica went from being a literal chicken to raising them. Chicken rancher Jessica. Not that there's anything wrong with either of those things. Not at all. Honestly, if it were me, I probably would have pooped my pants in that case if I saw what Davy and Jessica had seen. I do want to talk real quick about a couple of the things that Davey mentioned when he was telling his story. He mentioned someone by the name of Jeremy and generator shows that would happen out in the desert when he was telling his story. And let me explain. The band that Davey and I have been in together for the last like 29 years, Tilt Wheel, we used to play shows out in the desert where that UFO sighting took place with Davey and Jessica. A bunch of hippie kids, including one named Jeremy, would take a generator out into Borrego Springs or the desert that we're talking about here. We'd set up a bunch of our equipment, you know, drums, amps, yada, 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 get totally drunk, wasted, and play music. And speaking of uh, pooping my pants, like I mentioned earlier, I'm pretty sure that might have happened to me at one of those generator shows. I don't know. I don't really want to confirm or deny the fact that that might have happened. So I, I don't know. Maybe that UFO that Davey and Jessica saw was my dirty underwear of 25 years ago, flapping in the wind, still hanging on the cactus that I left them on after the, uh, yeah, the, the poopy pants incident. Well, back to Davey's story, please. Yeah. We don't need to talk about my underwear anymore. The most interesting aspect of Davey's story is the fact that he thinks he pretty much debunked that it was not a UFO he thinks it was a TR-3 Black Mana, which is a U.S. Air Force aircraft, supposedly. That's a first time on one of these Bobcast UFO Stories episodes, and this is a third one, keep in mind. Like, I think we're up to 15 different stories or something like that, that somebody actually kind of debunked what they saw as a non, you know, either ultra or extraterrestrial type of vehicle. Let me mention this, though. The TR-3, that Black Manta has not ever been officially verified to be a real thing by the U.S. government or anything like that. Please keep that in mind. A lot of people, however, do believe that the Black Manta exists. I don't know. Who am I to say? You know, I'm over here talking about and presenting stories about UFOs, extra or ultra-terrestrial flying objects in the skies. I'm really not going to pass judgment on anybody that says... The U.S. government has these black projects of triangular-shaped surveillance aircraft. I just can't. I mean, either one could be just as real as the other. I don't know. Another thing I want to mention, the Phoenix lights were mentioned in Davy's story. So on that note, 
Why don't we listen to a song which is very appropriately titled Phoenix Lights by the band Stryker. Now, Stryker's from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Stryker rocks. Here is Stryker. How about the band Striker? Oh my God, they they literally took 
the best aspects of the 1980s metal music scene. I mean, they made a whole band out of it. Really incredible. They're rad. They're super good. Again, this applies to all the bands, but links to Stryker and their various online presences will be on this episode's page of the Bobcast website. Let me remind you again where that is. It's I want to party with Bob.com slash podcast. One last note, though, on Davey's story and also the Phoenix Lights thing, the less than Jake factor that Davey was talking about a little bit. I want to say I did reach out to Chris, Roger, and Vinny from Less than Jake. This is what happened. Chris said he doesn't remember seeing anything. Vinny said he thinks he saw something the day after that Phoenix Lights mass UFO sighting, and Roger hasn't written me back yet. So maybe, just maybe, you'll hear Vinny's story very soon. We'll see. Stay tuned to the Bobcast and all that good stuff. Up next is a short interview with the author of the Punk Rock and UFOs series of books, Mike DeMonte. Mike is an author historian, and a journalist who has a very keen interest in UFOs and the paranormal in general. Here it is. This is the last segment of this episode to be followed immediately by the band Get Married with their version of the Misfits classic song, Astro Zombies. Stay tuned. I'd like to welcome Mike DeMonte to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast for this UFO series part three uh, thank you, Mike, for coming to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to talking UFOs, and looks like we have a lot in common. We do. We, UFOs, we so. do. we definitely <laughs> do. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, like I said, I did bring you here to kind of talk about UFOs specifically. Now, your background, you're the author of three books, the Punk Rock and UFO series, three books focused on that. You also have a couple other books out there. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about those books kind of what they're the a general uh consensus of what all those books are about in some way oh uh, for sure yeah so the first book was punk rock and ufos cryptozoology meets anarchy and that was basically the idea of punk rock and ufos this isn't necessarily you know the music but if you think about punk rock you think about the rebellious spirit that's you know part of being you know a punk rock and also being a counter well the, the original the origins of it was a counterculture Right, so you kind of look at the UFO and cryptozoology communities as kind of being underdogs, right? Sure. And those are at the time were underdog sciences. So that's where cryptozoology versus anarchy kind of comes in. Is looking at these through this lens of this is an underdog science, and um, why do we rebel against these beliefs and not these? And then the second book, True Believers, was kind of like I wanted to kind of get in more about the people who actually investigate the stuff, their backgrounds, and then also try to make a point um, and. I didn't make this point, but George Knapp did uh, when I was on Coast to Coast that in the last couple of chapters of the book, I kind of take off my journalist hat and it's persuasive. It tries, really tries to persuade people why they should care about, you know, kind of these topics. And then the, the latest book regarding punk rock and UFOs is Stranger Than Fiction. And that really is kind of like my life's work in terms of this, uh, this subject. It really kind of brings together the themes of the first two books, but really ultimately aims to kind of uh, normalize the idea of paranormal. And I do that with current events, um, with science, religion, mythology, pop culture, uh, comics, you name it. And there just really was a broad spectrum of people I interviewed for that book to really pull from, uh, you know, people people in Hollywood, people who make these TV shows, people who investigate, you know, UFOs like like Tom Melange and Peter Lavenda I've interviewed in there. Who else I interview? Uh, journalists like Leslie Kane, Ralph Blumenthal, um, as well as scientists and so yeah, I really try to pull from a lot of different uh, sources as well. So yeah, uh, that's the series. And then I kind of continue 
doing some of my research, I guess you call it, on uh, the web the website, punkrockandyourfoes.com. Gotcha. Okay, cool. One of the things about the latest book, Stranger Than Fiction, is kind of normalizing it, making it more the paranormal and UFOs a little bit more acceptable to the mainstream group of people in the world in some ways. Uh, yeah. Well, just, just the fact that these things happen so frequently. Um, there's a really good quote in one of my books. It's from uh, Jeffrey Kripal. Um He's a professor of religious studies at Rice University here in Houston. Uh, he's written a lot of books about uh, he's written about religion and and, uh, and some of them about UFOs and paranormal and I uh, got he's just a brilliant dude and he said something like these common these appearances are more or or as, as common as water right something along the lines of that. Sure. that's not exactly yeah but he had the idea that you know um, the idea is they're more common than we think and that's kind of the idea behind it and this is someone who's been studying you know all different types of religions all throughout the world um, through the beginning of time so yeah for sure the fact that we're trying to normalize this, like, because at one point in the world, these weren't considered paranormal. They were considered normal. Right. So somewhere along the lines, you know, we got to kind of where we're at now. And I, I believe, I believe Jeffrey Carter gave me this quote too. It's like, yeah, I asked him, well, what happened? And it's like, well, science happened, technology happened, uh, civilizations change, right? All these things change where now, you know, the idea of, you know, a, a chariot floating in the sky is like crazy to us, right? Right. So, it looks like a chariot, right? Back then, it was perceived as chariots or angels or, or you know, whatever they perceived it as. But now we think, oh, there's something in our sky. We don't know what this unidentified flying object is. One of the things I love about what you seem to talk about in the books is you hit on it right there. The fact that maybe religion and everything and paranormal and UFO activity, they're tied together. They're almost married in some ways and have been for a very long time. Is that, that a true thing, do you think, or a true statement in some ways? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's really interesting. The other day, uh, Lou Elizondo uh, gave a really good quote. Um, I don't know what it was with. He was doing a podcast, because uh, now he basically does every, he does so many podcasts these days. And uh, it was, if you look it up on Twitter, he's looking it up, it's like Lou Elizondo indirectly acknowledges extraterrestrials or whatever. But the point was, you know, basically, like, if the truth were to come out, it'd be a very somber the response would be very somber and serious and some people would turn to religion some people would turn away so I think it's really fascinating that he made that point that I mean a lot of people are making this, this point for years that it would really you know the truth would really be a big hit to our societies and our structures uh, intrinsically just kind of you know when we think about how all, everything has been formed throughout history but I mean, there's people like me who really don't think it would be that big a deal but right. then again you know I'm not a pope or religious leader or, or anyone who's religious well, cool. So the next question really is, how did you get into kind of the paranormal and UFO phenomena? What was your starting point with all that stuff? Um, so when I was a kid, I was really into kind of like comic books and, you know, horror movies, like the old school, like, you know, Universal Studios movies. And oh, yeah. I, just always, you know, I always kind of like, you know, the, you know, the, the fictional elements of, you know, pop culture. So I also like to read a lot, though, too. I, I love reading uh, anything, you know, I read comic books, books. So my mom would get me these Time Life books, uh, the book series, and every month was like a new topic. And for three months straight, it was like mysterious places, like UFO phenomena and like creatures, like or something like that. So it was like three months, <laughs> three months in a row, I, I got those books and I read them. And to me, I was like, man, there's like, these are like nonfiction books. 
but it almost sounds like kind of like the science fiction that's like on television. So right. that kind of sparked my interest in the kind of like the paranormal and UFOs. And I was always like a casual observer. Uh, and then, you know, every once in a while I'd pick up a UFO book and read it. Or if I see something on TV, I'd watch it. I got the book Communion as a gift. I forget when this was. Probably maybe in college or, yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, it totally blew my mind. Because uh, it was unlike anything I've ever read before in terms of like UFOs or anything like that. So that really kind of kickstarted my interest again is reading communion. And then I had a couple of sightings myself. And then next thing you know, I'm writing books about it. So that's what I wanted to ask you about too, as far as the sightings that you've had yourself, would you mind telling me about those sightings that you had? Yeah, for sure. So like the first one I ever had, it was, I was working at the time at the Eastern Chronicle. I was uh, working on the copy desk. Uh, I'm working on their website, working out you know, copy of getting print. And you know, we work late hours. So I was coming home, it was probably around maybe twelve thirty, one o'clock, you know, after our deadlines and I'm driving and I see these and this is, you know, not like in the middle of nowhere. This is basically right between right between the suburbs and downtown, like smack in the middle. Mm. A really highly populated area, um, in terms of like uh, you know, commerce and businesses and stuff. Um, it was basically just this green orb. Uh, moving kind of like crazily throughout the sky. And then next thing you know, it just like shot up and disappeared. And uh, I remember just kind of going home and posting on like Facebook about it and other people saw it too. So yeah, that kind of got the, the the ball rolling. Yeah, it's crazy because like, you know, we talk about how common these really are. Like anytime you talk to people about them, I'm like, oh yeah, I read books about UFOs. So many people will open up to you and say, oh, I saw something once or like, oh yeah, yeah, I believe in them or they'll ask you questions. So it's like, even though it's technically been fringe for a long time, I really think it's been a lot less fringe than people think because so many everyday people you talk to or have an interest or, or questions about it or have settings of their own. Like I did I, um, a almost like a seminar for like a bunch of teachers one day where we got to like basically for, it was like a free day, there's no students, but we had to teach something to the other teachers. And I, I did like a UFO thing and I had so many people sign up and so many people come to me and, one of them even came up to me saying that she's had, she's had abduction experiences too. So it's like, it's crazy that people share stuff with you when they find out you're into this topic. And some people you would never expect, you know, one of the things I was talking about was just kind of, you know, paranormal phenomena in general. And I was mentioning what happens in like West Virginia and the Appalachians. And I mentioned like Hellier and people like seeing like goblins and stuff. And right. I would never expect this person to like believe in this stuff. But she came up to me and she said, yeah, as a kid, we had a farm in that area. I mean, my, I used to see stuff all the time, like like scampering through the through the farms, and like that's another thing that kind of blew my mind. That wow. you know, so many people have, like so many so many people have stories about these things, right? So this is a sighting I had, but it just goes to show you, you can literally blink and miss it. So years ago, my wife and I, well, she was my wasn't my wife yet. Uh, we were I was in Chicago with her, that's where she's from, and we were taking a boat tour like of the city with her and her friends. And they're like, oh, oh, Mike, we just saw a UFO. And I was like, haha, really funny. They're like, no, for real, we saw like, this orb going crazy. So I decided to like interview people on the boat, and they all saw it too. I just happened to be looking at my phone, playing around at the moment. So I ended up like, you know, doing a story on it for my website, uh, Punk Rock and UFOs, and I interviewed people and did a story. And then a couple months later, I got some message me saying, hey, I just read your story. I was on a flight to Michigan a few months ago and I saw the same thing over Lake Michigan which is basically the same area yeah it's really fascinating that you know there's a lot more settings than people think 
a lot of people that I've talked to, I mean, just kind of as a side note, have also said they won't come out about it or won't talk about what they've seen because they're afraid of not being believed. And have you, is that something you've run into from people like, Oh, they open up to you because they say, well, here's somebody who I can open up to because they talk about this already. They've experienced it themselves, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think maybe the case where the the teacher came up to me and wanted to tell her story. She didn't want to use her name. That's fine. You know, as a journalist, I know how to quote unquote protect the source as well. And, you know, changing names. And sometimes you have to do that to protect the innocent. I guess one of my most, most recent stories is somebody I interviewed and, I mean, this is out of respect for him, even though he never signed an NDNA, but, you know, he served in, as a, a communications officer in the military for years. So for those watching at home, the story is basically about um, he was privy to a lot of information that came across being a communications official. And one of the things he came across is something regarding uh, Rendlesham, the Rendlesham incident. And uh, what he revealed to me is that somebody left voluntarily. And I kept saying, was it an abduction? I kept saying the word abduction. He says, I wouldn't, he basically said it was not an abduction. And that's something that we really haven't heard before. Um, you know, we know some of the, the, the generals there did experience missing time as well. So for me, you know, doing that story as a journalist, you have to do your due diligence and respectfully, you know, change the name around a little bit and sure. as well. So yeah, it's, you know, there's some people who don't want to, you know, to kind of be outed just because of their, you know, NDA they signed or their jobs. Some people are maybe ashamed of what people think, but I'm starting, you know, you're starting to see the, the stigma kind of get shipped down. You know, you're seeing more and more military witnesses come forward and more and more people, you know, coming out of the shadows, which is, which is a really cool thing to be a part of. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I wanted to ask you how you feel about the report that came out yesterday from the Pentagon, the June 25th, 2021 yeah. report. They mentioned even in that report saying that they, reporting may not be as high as it could be because of the stigma that some people feel is attached to saying, Hey, I saw something and I don't know what it was. Did you read that report? What did you think about it? Yeah, I did read it over a couple of times just to kind of like nine pages. So like at first it was just kind of a quick skim through and then kind of read it again. I mean, I think, you know, you quote unquote UFO Twitter and a lot of the UFO community, you have like two sides of it. It's either going to be, you know, oh, the greatest thing, or it's going to be a failure. And there's really not that much in between, but I think a lot of the level of people realize, hey, this is a good start, you know? Like, this is something that's better than nothing. And, you know, you, you have Chris Mellon saying that, hey, this is the start of something big. Well, then maybe we should listen to Chris Mellon because he would know. And for me, I looked at it as, just today, you know, I, I read it yesterday. And I was like, okay, I said to myself, like, okay, this is cool. This is a start. Some people are not going to be satisfied, but this is something to kind of build off of. And that's kind of was my view. Um, you know, on it. But like a great headline today, NBC News. Let me see if we pulled up for you. The exact headline. I don't want to read it word for word because it's perfect. Cool. Just then, U.S. government can't explain 143 of 144 cases of unidentified flying objects reported by military planes, according to Highly Anticipated Total Four. That's a great headline. Having a journalism background, I know that, that that's not a clickbait headline. Um, it's not really being sensationalistic. It is true. I mean, that was from the report. They did pull something out of that story to really draw in viewers without being clickbait. And that is a really important takeaway that I think a lot of people are skipping. The fact that they said, hey, look, you know, out of this many cases, we can't identify the majority of them. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think some of my key takeaways that I wanted to ask you about a little bit, you hit one of them out of the 144, they only had one explanation and they said that was a deflated balloon, right? 
and then the stigma thing that some people may not come forward because of that. I was pretty excited about them talking about coming up with a, a standardized reporting system between all different yep. government agencies, asking for more funding, and also starting the, to use some kind of AI to analyze the different things and say, well, you know, this is a flock of birds and this is how a flock of birds does it. And the AI is much more going to look at it and hopefully be much more analytical than a human. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know. But were those, so did some of those things that I'd mentioned kind of make you go, oh, yeah, that's that's a pretty cool thing in some ways. Well, it's pretty interesting because I didn't think about it on the, like that until you kind of said it out loud. Like I read it, but I didn't really make the connection. But man, now that you say that, um, that really sounds kind of like something that to the stars academy of uh, arts and sciences was building um that they're actually still doing a lot of people were worried that that was going to go away with them pivoting to more of an entertainment side of things but no that app is coming still and that kind of sounds like what they were talking about whether you know the military user i assume the military probably come up with something a little bit more you know uh, with their resources maybe something kind of like bigger and better but that's pretty cool that they're at least thinking on the same page in terms of something that could help triangulate and all these parallels and stuff. So I, I think the fact that, you know, you made a really good point that they're saying, hey, yeah, let's do something more official. Let's look at it. I mean, that, that's another big takeaway is that they're coming up with ways that are streamlined, right? And it's, yeah. you know, that we're all kind of doing things together and, and talking about actually researching this uh, seriously, which is cool. And a lot, of the, a lot of people who are involved in this are, are new to it, you know, uh, in terms of the, the, the Pentagon Task Force. It's funny, I talked to someone, you know, it's saw something earlier how it's like kind of, it's coincidence how many people who are really, you know, know about this stuff or at least interested. And sometimes I think people are like, like, oh, this can't be really messing with me because they know I'm into this stuff. But I had someone reach out to me months ago and say, hey, uh, you're going to get a kick out of this. My sister is part of the UAP task force. And I'm like, stop. Wow. <laughs> And the person, I can't say anything. I, I can't, I'm not even supposed to mention that you bring it up. Don't ever mention my name. Don't ever do anything about this. But I was like, wow. And it's true. Like, I, I looked into it because I was like, all right, let me find out who this person is. And I kind of did some digging. And I was like, oh, wow, this, this is this is legit. <laughs> so it's crazy to think. You know, like there's like six degrees of like Kevin Bacon. You ever hear about that? <laughs> Everyone in the world is there. And it's like, man, especially like UFO stuff. It's crazy. It's true. Like the story I did with the, with the guy who was a communications official, that was a, a friend's relative. Like, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. They, they, they have so many crazy stories. But to like these people who are like non into this stuff, they just say, oh yeah, this is a crazy story someone told me. But to us, we're like, no, that's more than a crazy story. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like this is earth shattering. This is, oh God, yeah, thank you, you know, for that tip. Yeah. While we're on that UAP report or UFO report, what do you think of kind of even more fringe groups getting involved in UFOs as far as like Q people and stuff like that. And the, the more crazy conspiracy people that obviously this, what we're talking about could be considered fringe, but obviously it's, it's, there's so many sightings that can be verified that it's not really fringe. Like you were almost saying earlier too, but what do you think when these Q types get involved in it and they start to mention government cover-ups and yada 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 and how does that make you feel to have these people come into the ufo you know zone of belief and and mix their craziness up in it it's crazy because they already screwed up the country almost beyond repair so it's like imagine the damage they could do to the ufo community yeah. which is already really divided and divisive as it is 
Uh, I mean, you heard about that rumored website, Alien Leaks. It's it's uh, it's almost it's supposed to be like WikiLeaks, but for like alien stuff. Oh, and it's apparently about the guy who started too. So it's like, I mean, but there's some of these people who have been kind of involved in ufology even before like you know Q even existed. So it's it's just crazy to think that there's so many bad apples that could potentially you know spoil it for everyone. Right, so. and that's yeah, like you said, it's the the one of the guys that supposedly started Q did that alien leaks website and i heard about that and i said oh no please don't <laughs> stick to your pizza oh, you guys have enough crazy stick to your pizza parlors and your whatever the hell you guys talk i mean i and, and side note i have a friend who's been you know into this stuff for years and years we used to listen to art bell when we were on tour and yada 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 you know and he was reptilians and grays and like he's really deep into it and i asked him what do you think about this Q thing? And he said, pardon my language, they're fucking crazy. I don't know what's wrong with those guys. You know, they're not. I mean, I believe some crazy stuff, but these guys are really nuts, you know? Oh, boy. Well, your opinion. I wanted your opinion on something, really kind of the last question. As far as UFO phenomenon go, I know there's there's a variety of different sightings that have happened. Through, you know, you have like lights, you have the cigar-shaped kind of solid-looking object, yada, yada. What is your ideas of what some of those things might be what do you think are you more do you tend towards the school of thought that they're aliens or they might be ultra terrestrials what are some of your thoughts on those things it's true i feel like kind of like the more we get into this stuff the more we rethink like our our previous belief systems are kind of shattered and altered a little bit you know and like you know years ago i didn't really put much thought into anything regarding religion religious text but now i'm like Oh yeah, there's something here, you know, whether you believe in the, the dogma aspects of it or not. Um, but yeah, even I was, like, I was thinking about it the other day and I read something, it was, it was, it was from, a, from a story or something that someone was saying that they believed, actually no, it could have been documentary as much. I don't remember where it was from, but sure. they got the feeling that what they were visualizing was what the UFOs manifested, what we would want, think to look at. So like, you know, like a triangular craft, has a blinking light, so it almost looks like something that could be our technology. And that really kind of, a light bulb kind of went off in my head, because if you think about, you know, the colored orbs and people see them, apparently they, they change shapes and they do all these things. So it's like, man, what if these sightings are just kind of a mirage, not a mirage, but what if like the true UFO is these lights and these orbs and what we're seeing is just kind of like a, a screen or a manifestation. And that goes, so, that goes back to kind of, was a lot of experiences say about you know if you're familiar with like Chris Bledsoe and in his case you know what he believes in stuff that you know he's seen and well the beings the light entities that are on his property it's like man there's some there's something there there's some connection to be made last words thoughts anything that you want to mention that you have coming up a book just came out the book about punk and emo and the rise of punk and emo which is sounds very interesting to me too so yeah anything you kind of care to to mention uh, yeah, that's a, just my new book. Uh, it's called Hey Suburbia. Uh, basically, I spent years, you know, kind of chronicling this music for a top four market in the country. And I was really just someone on the copy desk, you know, like, hey, can I cover these shows? I already work here. Like, yeah, sure. Because no one was really covering, you know, alternative rock or well, punk rock and emo and pop punk. So I was, you know, cover warp tours and X Games and stuff like that. And as interviews I've done, you know, for my years as a music journalist, getting to meet and interview some of my heroes like, you know, Blink-182, Aquiline Trio, Descendants. Um, there's all tons of other bands I've interviewed that weren't in the book. Um, I got to interview like Bad Religion and stuff, but I just had all these years of just 
really good stories and really good quotes. And like, is there somewhere I could put it all together to kind of tell the story about this, this moment in time where, you know, pop punk and emo was like all over the place. And yeah. So, and then I was able to kind of tell the story in this kind of like coffee table format. And uh, the book came out in beginning of June and it's got a lot of good response so far. So, you know, anytime you write something, you never know people are going to like it or people seem to dig it. So that's cool. Thank you to Mike DeMonte and Get Married for your contributions to this episode of the Bobcast. That Get Married Misfits cover EP that Astro Zombies came off of, it is so good. It's incredible. I mean, everything else that Get Married has done is also very incredible. Definitely check that band out. They are so, so good. Mike DeMonte, too. He's a really incredible person. I love talking to him. I can't wait to do a full episode with him soon. I think we're going to set something up very soon, so stay tuned for that. I've said stay tuned for that every five minutes of me talking in this episode. I'm very sorry. I apologize. It was funny, though, I think, that the Hellier connection came up twice in this episode. Once with Sarah at the very beginning, and again with Mike later on. Is that a weird synchronicity thing? Or is it just that Hellier has become such an integral part of the paranormal and UFO community these days. I don't know. Either way, definitely check out Mike's books. They are great. There will be links to those punk rock and UFO books on this episode's page of the Bobcast website. 
I'm just starting to read the third book in the series, which is Stranger Than Fiction. It's the title. So far, it's a great book. So I definitely highly recommend you check out Mike DeMonte and his books. He's got a few different books. He's got a brand new one that just came out all about punk rock and emo stuff that's really cool, too. And we're going to talk to Mike about that down the line here very soon, I believe. Because Mike and I definitely have a lot in common and we definitely have a lot to talk about. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. All that's left is for me to give out the thank yous and to announce the winner of the Athletic Shoe Giveaway for this UFO Stories Part 3 Bobcast episode. And here we go. Are you ready? Drum roll, please. The winner of the very first I Want to Party with Bob and Athletic Shoe Giveaway Contest is Craig of Sheffield, the UK or Sheffield, England, however you want to say it. Craig, congratulations. You have won a pair of the Fair Trainer Athletic Shoes. My man, good job. You will very soon have your very own pair of Athletic Shoes in the size and color of your choice. Yes. Congrats once again. Thanks so much to Athletic Shoes for making this awesome giveaway and this episode of the Bobcast possible. Craig, when you hear this, get in touch with me and we'll set everything up as far as how you can get your shoes what you want off we go listen to the i want to party with bob bobcast and win it's really that simple this this episode proves it yeah you win no matter what happens if you listen to a bobcast thanks so much to carolyn morissette for another edition of the celluloid catacombs you can catch carolyn monthly with reviews of more creepy feature films and possibly other things as they come up right here on the bobcast Thanks to all of the UFO sighting stories and everyone who came forward to tell their tales of these strange sightings in the sky. Sarah, Miski, Jessica, Davey, and Mike, I really appreciate and thank you all so very much. Thanks to the bands The Ejected, Striker, and Get Married for your not-of-this-world contributions to this episode of the Bobcast. I appreciate you all, and thank you all as well. Last but not least, definitely not least... Thank you for listening. Please remember, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please consider joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash I want to party with Bob. I've got some really big and great changes coming to that Patreon soon. Incredible content is coming up. Going to do some live streaming type of things. Maybe watch some movies with people who subscribe to the Patreon and talk about it. Talk shit about, essentially, The Patreon thing is definitely going to be getting a lot bigger in the coming weeks, and you will be missing out if you don't join. And it doesn't cost much. It starts at a dollar a month. So piece of cake. That's all I'm going to say for now. We'll be talking more about that later. It's time for me to hop back in my flying saucer and head back to my home planet. Here we go. Thank you so much for listening to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast.